Um, our topic for today is SMCR versus SEER versus the IAC. And as um, we hope you know, we're talking about the SMCR in the UK, SEER, the Senior Accountability, Senior Executive Accountability Regime in Ireland, and the um, IAC in Singapore. Um, our plan today is to focus on these three different regimes for regulated firms, which all focus on um, senior accountability. And what we're hoping to do is to draw out some of the similarities and differences between those three regimes. So for those of you who have structures and businesses in those three jurisdictions, um, the idea really is to see if we can identify um, where you can leverage off what you're doing in one jurisdiction elsewhere and also where you can't. So it's worth saying, as you no doubt know, that there are also similar regimes um, in other jurisdictions, in particular um, Hong Kong with its manager in charge regime. So um, I'm starting. Um, I can introduce myself. The others, my colleagues will introduce themselves as they start. So I'm Andrea Finn. I'm a partner in the employment group in London. Um, I've been advising um, many financial services firms about SMCR for a number of years um, and the SMCR came first. So we're starting there. Um, and most of you will have been dealing with the SMCR for some time and are fairly well advanced in handling the requirements under the SMCR regime. Um, as you'll recall, um, it came originally from the banking crisis in 2008 and the Parliamentary Commission in Banking Standards identified some fairly serious concerns about a lack of accountability at the most senior level um, when things went wrong. And the concern was that when that identified failures within banks, it was effectively impossible to find out who was responsible for those issues, which led to those failures. So on the back of that review, the SMCR came in for banks initially in March 2016. So the banks among you in the UK have been dealing with SMCR for five and a half years, which I have to say, it feels like quite a long time. Um, but what I would say is we're continuing to learn and the um, regulators are continuing to make statements about SMCR. So it is something that we keep under continual review and re-evaluation and I'll mention a couple of points on that shortly. Um, the regime, as you know, was expanded to cover all solar regulated firms for from December 2019. So even for those firms, again, time has gone by because we've had COVID in the meantime. Um, we're now nearly two years into the regime and, and you will all have your structures in place. So what does the SMCR look like? I'll explain that briefly so that you've got something to compare and contrast with SEER and IAC. So there's three main elements, as you know, the senior managers who coming back to our original point about individual accountability, um, are in UK terms those who really run the firm. And the idea with the regime is that they are individually accountable with a statutory duty of responsibility for their own area of responsibility set out in a statement of responsibility. And those statements of responsibility say exactly what you're responsible for and include a number of prescribed responsibilities which the UK regulators consider need to be allocated formally to a particular individual. So those are the things which might fall outside the individual's day job. Um, the next strata from the UK perspective is the significant harm function population or certified individuals and um, they're largely aligned with the old approved persons regime and they need to be certified as fit and proper by the firm not by the regulator um, when they start carrying out that function and then certified again by the firm on an annual basis um, as being fit and proper to carry out their function. And the point behind all of this is the um, regulators consider that the firm is in a much better position than the regulator to do that assessment. And um, again, an important part of the UK regime, which doesn't apply elsewhere, is the focus on the regulatory reference. You'll be familiar with that. And the intention is that firms have to provide information about staff who leave so as to avoid um, what the regulators call rolling bad apples. 
Um, finally, definitely not least, um, the UK regime has its enforceable conduct um, rules, which apply to nearly all staff, with very few exceptions. And the point of those those rules is twofold. Firstly, a meaningful shift in conduct expectations. The FCA has made it really clear that firms which say to their people that the conduct rules don't change anything are missing the point. It's not it's not enough to just say we already expect good conduct of our people. It's meant to deliver a step change in expectations. The FCA has also made it clear that the training needs to be offered to individuals, need to be meaningful and tailored, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, so despite the fact we're five and a half years in, there's only been one regulatory finding so far, which related to um, Jess Staley of Barclays Bank, and that was um, three years ago now, and there's been nothing else um, since then. Um, however, there are ongoing investigations, and I think we expect a number of outcomes over the course of this year. So just so I can finish up for um, passing over to um, Derek, is to say that um, this is something that continues to be under review in the UK. Firms do need to continue to look at how they're implementing SMCR. There was some um, very quite detailed guidance actually from the FCA last year in September in relation to conduct rules training and fitness and propriety assessment. Um, and that guidance was useful insofar as it involved the FCA giving a positive list of positive and negative indicators of what good looks like, both in relation to conduct training and in relation to the fitness and propriety assessment process. I think the key points perhaps to draw out from that are the expectations from the regulators that senior managers are involved and engaged in that process, that it expects the conduct training to be tailored and specific, and that it expects the fitness and propriety assessment to be a meaningful process and not a tick box exercise. And I think, again, we've seen a number of organisations look to revisit their processes in the light of the indications um, they've had from the regulators. Um, another hot topic in the UK at the moment is a, um, a, a challenge and a question that firms have around um, non-financial misconduct and where the line is in relation to what sorts of behaviours are relevant for fitness and propriety. Um, and in that context, there's an ongoing consultation from all the UK regulators in relation to diversity and inclusion and certainly discussion from the um, regulators in relation to the extent to which there should be more specific guidance around expectations um, from expectations from a regulatory perspective on diversity and inclusion space and how that affects senior managers and how that affects regulated firms generally. Um, so if I may, I will hand over first to Derek, who is going to talk to us about SEER. Thanks, Andrea. And uh, just to introduce myself, so I'm Derek Lawler. I'm a partner in the Dublin office where I head up the financial regulations team. Um, so as, as Andrea said, at the moment in Ireland, we have a proposed new individual accountability framework, uh, and it's based and very, very similar to the to the SMCR. And so the, the idea behind this, it arose from the tracker mortgage examination in Ireland. So that was the largest and most complex uh, consumer protection review that the Central Bank in, of Ireland has ever undertaken. Following on from that, they set out the basic structure of the framework in November 2018. And then over the years, uh, there's been a lot of discussion on, on its final form. And now finally, in July, we have the heads of bills. So we have more detail on the outline of how the structure is going to work. And in common with the original proposal back in 2018, there's going to be four main pillars to it. So they are clear and enforceable conduct standards. There's going to be enhancements to our existing fitness and probity regime. Thirdly, then there's the SEER, the Senior Executive Accountability Regime. And then finally, there's going to be a new unified enforcement process. So just going through uh, those four in a little bit more detail. 
on the the first one, the clear and enforceable conduct standards. So just as was proposed in, in 2018, there's going to be three sets of standards. So there's one for individuals, there's one for senior management, and there's one for businesses. Um, but there have been some changes. So the the, the first set, uh, which the 2018 report would said uh, had said would would apply to all employees, is actually only going to apply to people carrying out controlled functions and pre-approved control functions. So your CFs and your PCFs, and their basic uh, conduct standards such as acting honestly, ethically, and with integrity, and acting with due skill, care, and diligence. And then in the in the heads of terms, there's a non-exhaustive list of example behaviours that exemplify each of these conduct standards. Then the standards for senior persons, this is a, a narrower set of, of people. So these are PCFs and also anybody else who isn't technically a PCF, but who is in a position to significantly influence the conduct of the regulated firm. And again, there's been a, a bit of a change uh, between the 2018 report and the draft bill, uh, whereas they used to say things like that the senior manager had to take all reasonable steps to ensure the, the relevant standard. They're, they've now been rephrased and they're expressed, for example, to say to ensure that the business of the service provider uh, is controlled effectively. So there's a bit of a, a, I guess, a scaling back in how severe that language was. And then finally, there's the third set of standards which apply to businesses. So that's the the conduct standards. And the significance of this, as Andrea said, is that uh, because they've been codified, any breach of the conduct standards will be a, a prescribed contravention. So the central bank will be able to take a direct action against you for, for breaching one of them. Uh, so the second pillar then is enhancements to our existing fitness and probity regime. And what it does is it's kind of it's shifting uh, the onus onto the onto regulated financial service providers to be more proactive. So they'll have to certify that a person who's carrying out a control function has sufficient fitness and probity. Uh, so it's it's going to be a more active investigation of that. And then also it's going to give the central bank the power to conduct investigations on the fitness and probity of people who previously carried out a control function, uh, but who aren't at the time of the investigation. So currently they don't have that power and now they'll be able to to kind of look back in time. The third one then, and probably the one that gets the most attention is SEER. So that's the Senior Executive Accountability Regime, most of which will be very familiar to people who've encountered SMCR. So uh, it's going to be introduced on a phased basis. If It will firstly apply to credit institutions, uh, insurance undertakings, and then MIFID firms, but only those who do underwriting on a firm commitment basis or who deal on own account and who, who hold client monies. And then it will also apply to the third third country branches of, of any of those. Um, again, there's been a few technical changes since it was set out in 2018. So the report said that a senior executive would be a member of the board, somebody reporting directly to the board or the head of a significant business line. Whereas the, the bill as it now stands just says that a senior executive function is the same as a pre-controlled a pre function. So it's the same as a PCF. Uh, so it's kind of a more defined population. And in common with the, the original proposal, some senior executive functions will be mandatory, but there will also be flexibility in, ter in terms of how a firm wants to structure its senior management team. So then if you are carrying out a senior executive function, you have prescribed responsibilities. And the idea is that you'll then draw up a statement of responsibilities, setting out exactly what you're responsible for, and that will be sent into the central bank. Then at the firm level, it will draw up a responsibility map, which is a chart of its management and governance arrangements. And it will set out things like matters that are reserved to the board or the key terms of reference for any internal committees or any sort of reporting lines. So the whole idea 
just just as for the SMCR is that there's no gap. So if there's any breach of a of a conduct standard, it's always readily identifiable who which actual individual was responsible for that. Um, and also in concept in common with the SMCR, we have the the concept of reasonable steps. So uh, the the seer will impose a legal duty on any individual who's carrying out a senior executive function that they have to take reasonable steps to avoid their firm from from uh, committing a prescribed contravention. Uh, and you will be in breach of that duty if your firm actually co contravenes one of the codes, if you at the time as an individual were responsible for that particular business area and where you didn't take reasonable steps to prevent your firm from committing the prescribed contravention. And then the, the Act sets out the criteria that the central bank will take into account to, to determine if you have or have not taken reasonable steps. So there are things like the nature, scale and complexity of the firm in which you're acting as a, as a senior executive, the, the level of knowledge that you as a senior executive had at the time, and whether you took reasonable steps and whether you acted in accordance with your legal obligations. So very similar to the SMCR, there are some, some differences in that we won't in Ireland have the concept of the regulatory reference uh, because there were constitutional difficulties with that. Uh, so that, that part is, has been taken out. So that's this here in a, in a nutshell. Um, and then the final, uh, the, the final pillar then is the unified enforcement process. So this is on the one hand kind of a, a technical clearing up. So currently the central bank has nine different enforcement uh, procedures that it can take against people. So these will all be rolled up into the one. And then they're going to, as they describe, break the participation link. So currently the central bank has to prove that a firm committed a contravention, that a person participated in that breach before they can take an action. Now they'll be able to take actions directly against individuals. Uh, so there are the, the four pillars. As regards timing, when this came out in July, uh, the government said that they expected the regime to be in, in full within 12 to 18 months. Um, so we'll see if, if, if they adhere to that timeline. And now I'll hand over to Grace. Yeah, thanks very much, Derek. So I think it has been a very interesting experience seeing the implementation process in the last year because actually the due date to finish the implementation for the IAC regime, the Individual Accountability and Conduct regime in Singapore, just came um, um, into effect uh, last month. So everyone has been scrambling basically to get it on board. Uh, and, and so the long and short of it is that um, I, I often describe to clients that um, there are two paths to this IAC light and full IAC. But I kind of explained that um, the IAC light is actually where you have less than 50 people on the ground, which, which does cover quite a large portion of uh, financial institutions, given that uh, MES also includes payment services institutions uh, within scope. And, and what it means is that uh, for both types of IAC light and full IAC, you are still expected to do the whole exercise of, of, of seeing how you do that gap analysis of your procedures and policies, which we work with very closely by employment teams hand-on-hand -hand with uh, for IC matters um, and, and you still have to uh, address and meet all the main principles which are very much based on the um, SMCR regime which you have in the UK uh, but the difference you have there is that MES has taken a principled approach on some of these requirements and guidelines and what it means is that even though um, MES has set up these uh, five accountability conduct um, and uh, outcomes that the FIs must achieve which 
focus on accountability of certain senior individuals, uh, specification of responsibilities and steps taken to prevent regulatory breaches, and and how you should delegate and you know ensure you have a framework that sustains culture and conduct. Um, essentially, we, we see it as almost a, a lighter version of the SMCR in the sense that MES that has given a lot of discretion to firms to actually implement this, and it's a lot less prescriptive um, than what we have seen, for example, in Hong Kong when I was working with some of the entities on the MIC, the managers in charge regime, or uh, in the UK. So often when we are working with the firms on the Singapore regime, uh, we end up um, actually reducing or watering down a lot of the in-house templates if they were an existing UK headquartered entity. Uh, and we end up really taking a more simplified approach in looking at the gap analysis as well as approach on the uplift. So what are some of the key differences that I can highlight um, here today, which, which you know, some of the our clients have been quite surprised um, about, especially um, since quite a few of them operate within the uh, operated within the Hong Kong regime, for example, the MIC regime. So one key difference is this concept of uh, material risk personnel, which appears in the Singapore IAC regime. Uh, and the MAS defined this as uh, individuals who have the authority to make decisions or conduct activities that can significantly impact the financial institution's safety and soundness or cause harm to a significant segment of the firm's customers or stakeholders. So from the sound of this definition, you can already, uh, you can already imagine that you know, there are various ways to kind of dice and explain this. Uh, but and, and in the end, uh, MAS has also provided input that you need to provide both a qualitative and quantitative approach to identifying material risk personnel. So on one hand, it is uh, similar to the certification part of the, of the UK's SMCR regime, where the SEA specified eight functions, which it considers to be significant harm functions. But because the IC guidelines in the context of Singapore really is meant to cover the entire financial services industry, so MES was not specific and, gran and granular in specifying who would fall within material risk personnel. But instead, the MES pretty much let firms uh, define this. And we have seen very interesting outcomes. So for example, one of our clients um, included 40 people from all over their IT um, support team as falling within MRPs. And another one of our clients managed to conclude that they had no MRPs at all. Uh, but regardless of where you slice and dice and how you come to those conclusions, there is a very reasoned approach and a lot of information you need to get from your stakeholders as you work through this process. So that's one example. Another interesting example is, um, you know, some of the elements is that even though I've mentioned it is, uh, you know, a reduced form of what we have seen from the SMCR, but there are certain idiosyncrasies or parts of the IC which the MES has focused on um, in, in greater detail, which is uh, actually a little bit unexpected. So, for example, succession policy is explained to some level of detail, uh, which I understand at least, um, you know, was not as much of a focus in the UK SMCR. So, once again, that is something which a lot of Singapore firms did not have and had to think about succession, even on the local ground level, On even though they may not have as much influence on group policies and procedures, they've had to think about some of the approach that. So that's the second element. Um, another interesting um, element which I would also note there um, is also um, in the context of building some of the templates. Like so, for example, um, some of the response uh, scope of responsibility statements um, and how it's drafted. We have had to tailor it for some particularities for the Singapore approach and the statements of what it covers. You can't just 
lift and draw all your UK templates and you know apply it. Otherwise, you just have a lot of confused folks on the ground here um, on, on why you know on the level of detail on what is required. So there has to be some kind of tailoring and understanding of how your organization works in order to draft it. And then overall um, explanatory statement. Um, all these are not prescriptive, but sort of understood from the way MES has uh, phrased some of the guidance. So um, I would say that these are some of the key um, aspects which um, have been brought up in that context. And one last thing that I will uh, mention, which also um, Derek also brought up, is this concept of reasonable steps. In fact, I personally found it very helpful as a, uh, as a concept to think about um, because, you know, whether a senior manager has really taken reasonable steps in his duties to really think about whether he is uh, carrying out his role well enough, whether he has delegated effectively, whether he has made uh, records of um, any steps he took to satisfy himself, um, especially, um, you know, in the context where sometimes um, you may be looking at, um, you know, various types of informal decisions made on the ground and you may be, you know, um, um, you may not be tracking this as efficiently compared to the rest of your group. So um, in, in that context for reasonable steps, MES has not mandated or introduced this concept of reasonable steps, but actually we do encourage um, a lot of our clients to actually think of some of the guidance from the reasonable steps um, idea and implement it for their regimes. So um, right now, in the next stage, now that we have crossed the effective deadline, what does this mean? I'll briefly mention that uh, right now we see that MES has started the first wave of speaking to some of the institutions to understand about how they have implemented the regime, uh, what are some of the challenges they have had, uh, how, how have they built out some of the organization charts, are they keeping registers? Basically, what they're doing is almost like a thematic review, which is very um, common uh, for MES to do in this uh, regard. And uh, there are different views in the industry as to whether they will or will not introduce a, 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 or release an information paper of their thematic review. Uh, I personally think they will. Um, some of the uh, banks tell me that they strongly feel that it will not. Uh, so, you know, there are different views on this front. Um, but we, what we'll see is that MES will definitely focus on this aspect in the course of inspections, in the course of ongoing interaction with uh, uh, the, the regulated entities. So um, do not rest on your laurels. Definitely, this will continue to be a key focus going forward and touch upon many other areas from technology risk management to operational resilience to new products and services being offered. It will continue to be a cornerstone of a lot of uh, areas we look at from a regulatory perspective. Yeah, so at this point, I pass on back to Andrea. Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Derek. That's really interesting, particularly that we're, I guess, five years or two years down on SMCR very short period in operation for IAC and Ireland is still to come. Um, so the critical point, I guess, is there's an enormous amount of commonality between the three regimes that focus on senior accountability on conduct standards. Um, you've already, for those of you with Singapore and UK presence, has already worked out how you can leverage but not just use your UK stuff because it doesn't just work. You need to think about how the particularities of the individual regimes work. And for Ireland, you've got a little bit of time um, to think about how you do that and how you can maximise consistency across the group, whilst also putting in place um, documents and, and structures which which are really clear to the individuals concerned and um, 
and I think Grace touched on this, there are there are individuals who would be covered by more than one regime. And for those who found it difficult enough to get their head around their responsibilities under one regime, getting their heads around two, I guess conceivably even three, regimes is quite a challenge. But um it's it's about it's about sort of simplicity and maximizing just how you can how you can be clear with people and how you can put in place those um structures. And I mean interestingly in the UK, as I said, we're we are continuing to talk with clients around reviewing what they do. We're reviewing people's reasonable step guides, we're reviewing their their, um, senior manager senior manager handbooks because firms are continuing to look at how how they do it how they how they ensure that they are complying with the regime in a way that works for them and for their senior people um, so if I may I'd like to hand over now to Lee Curtis who is a head of sales who's going to talk a little bit around some of the products that we have um, to help support clients in this space thanks a lot Andrea uh, hi all I hope you're enjoying global outlook um, as you will have uh, witnessed over the course of the last 20 minutes, it is a huge area. It's incredibly complex. And so what I'd like to do is just spend about 90 seconds talking to you about our suite of SMCR products, um, which essentially harness our collective expertise in having advised over 100 clients on their SMCR implementation. And they've been specifically designed to support your effective compliance with the SMCR, but also as you've heard, the other regimes around the world. So let's start with the SMCR solution. Essentially, we have developed a comprehensive end-to-end -end total compliance solution for your SMCR implementation. It enables you to manage your SMCR population through their annual fitness and proprietary assessments and provides a record of compliance. It also includes SMCR training. We've then got the SMCR Academy, which is a suite of 14 e-learning training modules, which provide role-specific training on conduct rules and specifically how those rules are applied to roles um, in investment teams for portfolio managers and marketing teams. And as Andrea mentioned earlier on, um, we've aligned that with with the positive indicators that the FCA released um, during the course of last year. If online training isn't for you, we've also got SMCR bespoke training. We can provide specific and tailored sessions for your senior manager population. These sessions use an interactive scenario based training methodology and can be delivered either online or in person. Finally, we've got our SMCR toolkit which is a collection of over 60 templates and guidance documents covering topics such as a reasonable steps framework, a senior manager interview preparation pack and documents which help you to scope and identify your senior managers, your non SMF NEDs and other SMCR roles. This is all delivered online via a browser and is available on an enterprise wide basis. So that's talking about SMCR. We're currently um, in the stages of working out how to pivot all of those products across to both SEER and IA. And specifically, we're just finalizing our SEER toolkit at the moment, which will provide similar documents and guidance for those who need to implement the SEER regime. So more information on any of those products I've mentioned can be found on the solutions tab on the left hand side menu of your browser window. If you're interested in any of the products mentioned, please get in touch with me or any of the team here today. That's it from us. Thanks everyone uh, for listening and enjoy the rest of your global outlook.